Today's episode of The Doctor's Companion is brought to you by InStockTrades.com and DCBService.com. Welcome to another episode of The Doctor's Companion. I'm Scott Corelli. And I'm Matt Smith, but not that Matt Smith. And today we are talking about another Peter Davison story, Fifth Doctor. This one's Kinda. Yeah. Well, not finally. It was way longer getting to the second episode. Yeah, I think it was about the same because we went through an entire round of, um... Didn't we go through an entire round of, uh... Of, uh... Classic Who, I don't remember, or of New Who, and then we came to this one, and oh. we did Trial of a Time Lord. Oh, yeah, maybe you're right. Yeah. All right, fair enough. Well, it's been a long time. <laughs> Welcome back, Peter Davison. I've missed you. Woo. I have missed him as well. I have missed him. And, uh, yeah, but before we do that, I want to remind everybody that we're from the website GeekShowEntertainment.com, where we like geeky stuff, and occasionally we talk about that stuff, like Doctor Who, on podcasts like this one, because Geek Show Entertainment happens to be a podcast network, and new episodes are released sometimes from shows that include (laughs) The Doctor's (laughs) Companion, as well as Have You Met Ted, Super Geeks. And uh, and and previously, Movie Night at Geek Show. Although this is its last month, um, although we do have news at the end of this episode about something happening in the future. So oh, awesome! Stay tuned for that. Uh, and you can listen to those podcasts by streaming them on the website or subscribing to the shows on iTunes. Also, go to the website, join our community, and comment on those episodes, articles, and audio blogs that we regularly post on the site. And if you listen to any of our shows and you like what you hear, help us out by leaving an iTunes review because that's the way people find our shows and decide maybe they should listen to this. So, maybe. Yeah, maybe. You can also let us know how we're doing with comments, concerns, and suggestions by emailing the show at tdc at geekshow.us. That's tdc. As in The Doctor's Companion. Alright, so that brings us to the background significance portion of Kinda. Uh, there's quite a bit of that. So, take it away, Matt. Sure. Um, real quick, uh, before, before we talk about Kinda, I just wanted to mention that, oh my gosh, what a happy day. And I know we don't do a lot of news on this, but I mean, how could we not? talk about this just really really briefly uh they found two new episodes of doctor who yeah how cool is that actually you know what we have not done a reconstructed story yet no so we should probably talk about what this means well sure um we're actually discussing one of the reconstructed stories that was partially recovered in a couple weeks um which is very fortuitous, I suppose. 
Uh, but yeah, the way that Doctor Who worked back in the 60s is the BBC didn't think that Doctor Who or any other show would be replayable. And so in order to save cost on videotapes, uh, they would just erase the tapes because, you know, tapes are expensive. Um, so they would just erase the videotapes. So, like, they erased the entire run of first and second Doctor, and I think a vast majority of the third Doctor as well. Um, but they would farm them out to, you know, the Australian Broadcasting Company or PBS, and it would go all over the place, but the BBC would eventually, like, recall them and say, oh, we want to, we want to erase these tapes and get the tapes back because we want to save on some, you know, tapes. Um, so all these stories don't exist. Like, it used to be 108 story uh, episodes didn't exist, which means that they just do not exist in the archives. And, and so, um, slowly they've been recovering them. Uh, the last recovery of any story was in 2004. So this is like the first recovery in like seven years or something. Um, and, uh... So, in order to watch these stories, you have to watch telesnaps where someone back in the day just took video shots. Like, not video shots, but like, they took a camera and then would just snap a picture every 30 seconds. And then you'd have the soundtrack, because all of the soundtracks for all of the stories still exist. So, you'd have to watch it through that, and we've not done one on this show yet. We actually have one coming up in January. Um, but, uh, a lot of these episodes are missing, and it's really like the dark hole of Doctor Who, which is sad, because a vast, like, half of Troughton's episodes don't exist anymore, which is a travesty. Um, but they found some, uh, this, uh, a couple months ago, and they just announced it today, so we got back, um, Galaxy 4 Episode 3, I haven't seen Galaxy 4 yet, um, uh, but Galaxy 4 Episode 3, which is, like, the season opener to Hartnell's third season, and, and the, uh, the and first, and the first episode of Galaxy 4 ever. Yeah, 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 so... Galaxy 4, before this, like, all you had to assume, like, to know what Galaxy 4 looked like were a bunch of, like, you know, photos of what the TV looked like, so you didn't have any sense of the scope, but people are saying that Derek Martinus, who directed that story, like, really directed the hell out of it, and it made it look really cool, and a lot of the people who have been, like, criticizing it, like, because it's not a very well-received story... Um, criticize it because it's not very interesting, it plods, it doesn't move, but, you know, now people are starting to, like, they can now appreciate at least one episode of it, which is really, really cool. Um, so, we have, a, we have a new story to add to the archives, which is really, really excellent. Um, and the other one that they got was Underwater Menace Episode 2. Previously, only Underwater Menace Episode 3 existed, but now this becomes the first full episode uh, of Patrick Troughton that exists. Nothing exists of his run before this one, but that's that's huge news. And I mean, we'll talk about Underwater Menace in a couple weeks, but um, that story, if one episode of that is actually going to exist beyond part three, I think part two is as good as any. Um, so it's it's awesome, good news, and I'm just, I'm over the moon, and I'm hopeful that we can now recover some more of these, uh, because there's nothing like this. I, it's been such a cloud nine all day for me. Um so yeah, it's amazing too how it happens because it's always someone who knows nothing about Doctor Who, and they just happen to find out, like from someone, just some collector that knows nothing about Doctor Who, and someone is like, "Man, I really wish we could find more Doctor Who." Oh, I've got some Doctor Who. I think. I mean, that's that's what the tapes call, are called, and so they go check it out, and they're like, "Oh yeah, these are episodes that we've been missing for thirty years." <laughs> <laughs> They're like, oh yeah, uh, do you want them? 
there you go. You can have them, I guess. And it's just it's <laughs> always a situation like that where like we could have had these way earlier if this person knew anything about what Doctor Who was or what yeah. these missing episodes meant. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. I just think that's and- funny. It is. It's. It's. But it's like one of those things where it's like they, you know, film. It just tells you how many, how much film collectors don't know what they have, which is fascinating that they collect films and don't watch them. Um, but I'm not one to judge because I have a vast collection of scripts on my computer and I've read maybe one percent of them. Uh, so I'm not one to talk. Yeah. Well, <laughs> fair enough. Fair enough. Uh, so, uh, getting back to Kinda. Yes, Kinda. Kinda. Um, okay, so Kinda is the third Peter Davison story. If you're following along, we last talked about Fort of Doomsday, where Nyssa collapsed on the floor because she collapsed on the floor. Uh, that's not brought up in this at all. It's just like, oh, she's feeling ill. Let's put her in the TARDIS for four episodes to fix her. Um, so, I mean, in terms of that, that's where, that's where we were last time. But this story is... Uh, it's a little bit of a weird story. Um, it's it's uh, written by Christopher Bailey, who is a writing professor. Uh, he was a playwright at the time, and this was his first ever television work, and he's a Buddhist, and he's interested in all sorts of like allegory and mythology. Um, and it's directed by Peter Grimwade, who had previously directed Full Circle and Legopolis, and would go on to direct Earthshock, which, you know, if you watch Earthshock, Earthshock is amazing because of its direction. Uh, and he would also go on to write ta- the Time Flight, unfortunately, Modern Undead, and uh, Planet of Fire. And um, two, two of the three you love. I love two of those stories. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And if you throw in, um, if you throw in, uh, oh darn it! I had a great sort of analogy. Um, I forget. Uh, but he's you know he's a really great director. Uh, a fairly strong writer. I mean, Time Flight is bad, but I don't think that was entirely his fault. I mean, it was just a bungle of a story. Right. Um, he says in the thing that that. If he had directed it, people would love that story because sure. he had. And a, I believe that. Yeah, he had a specific vision for it, and the director that mm-hmm. took it over had no idea what was going on. <laughs> I have no idea what's going on. Why is the master dressed up like that? I don't know. Um, but he's really good, and I and I like um, I like I like him a lot. Um, he's responsible for four Davidson stories that I really enjoy. I mean. Kinda, I think, is one of my all-time favorite Davison stories and one of my favorite uh, Doctor Who stories in general. I mean, I um, I actually... So if I have a lot to say, here's why. Um, I actually have a blog for this story coming up in January. Like, it's the first blog of January. So instead of, you know, watching it again and doing all the extra work for it, I um, pre-blogged this week and then uh, blogged it yesterday while I was watching for the podcast and I wrote like a 7,000 word blog entry on this story because I just have so much to say about it um but it is it's really good and I mean you and I were talking ahead of time like it uh it ages really well um but it is not for the faint of heart because it's not an easy story uh not really I mean there's it's 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 basic i think it's fairly basic in terms of if you just look at the broad strokes of what's going on you can kind of figure it out but where bailey goes into the abstraction and the bizarre of what he's doing it just becomes not unintelligible but very difficult to pull apart like you have to really watch it a couple times and 
read up on what people think about it and how they analyze it. So, um, so there's that. But mm-hmm. it's uh, it's it's a really good story, and Grimway directs the hell out of it. Everyone acts the hell out of this story. Like the acting on it is out of the out of this world, if you ask me. Um, but it's good, and I, I so I guess that's where it um, where it falls in terms of the background and significance. It's still early days for Davison. Um, but it's, you know, it's, it's a lot of fun and very, very interesting, uh, as we're about to find out. So that's what I've got for background and significance on Kinda. All right. Well, before we get started with our discussion of the episode, I want to remind everybody that today's episode is brought to you by InStockTrades.com, where this month you can purchase our book of the month, Why the Last Man Deluxe Edition Hardcover Volume 5 by Brian K. Vaughn and Pia Guerra. This book is available for only seventeen thirty nine, which is forty two percent off the suggested retail price of twenty nine ninety nine. And remember, all orders over fifty dollars get free shipping. So thanks to InStockTrades.com, and you can get all five Why the Last Man Deluxe Edition hardcovers uh, from InStockTrades. So if you haven't ever read that series, you should. And shame on you for ignoring me when I'm talking to you right now, because I know you are. I know you're ignoring me because you're like, oh, he's gone into sponsor mode. Off. No. Wake up your brain and listen to me. Why the Last Man is the best comic book ever written. Period. <laughs> Go read it and buy it from InStockTrades.com. Yeah, I have to re-write, reread that soon and I'm not, almost not looking forward to it because I know I'm just going to be a mess by the end. Yeah. Just a Bethany just finished it, and she oh. was, like, crying her brains out, so... Well, there you go. How many comic books have you read, listener, that has made you cry? Not enough. N- not enough, and definitely not this one. So what are you doing? Go buy this. I feel like we're in bully mode right now. I don't it's care. Kind of interesting. I don't care. Because <laughs> I know they're ignoring me, because I'm in sponsor <laughs> mode. And they think, oh, I don't have to listen to this. I'm just going to ignore it and wait for them to talk about Doctor Who again. Well, keep waiting. <laughs> I think it would be a lot more effective if we had eye contact with them. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I think well, that, maybe. InStockTrades.com. Order Why the Last Man, and you'll thank me for it. Trust me. All right. So moving on to Kenda. Yes. Yeah. Um. All right. So... We start the story with their lame explanation as to why Nyssa collapsed at the be- at the end of the last story, um, which was basically the reason she collapsed is because her contract was up, <laughs> and they needed to throw her in the TARDIS and hide her there until their contract negotiations were finished. Mm-hmm. So they're like, hey, Nyssa, you look like you need some sleep. And she's like, I think I do need some sleep. Well, go sleep in the TARDIS. We'll have an adventure. Okay, see you guys in three episodes. And that's what happens. <laughs> yeah, it's uh, it's not very subtle. Like, you just kind of see her go into the TARDIS. And, like, I remember the first time I was watching, I'm like, she's not going to come out of there for a while. Uh, <laughs> yeah. And she does not. Like, you'd almost – I bet you they shot – the Nissa scenes on the same day. So, like, you know, Sarah Sutton just had, you know, three weeks off work, which does sound lovely. Yeah. Um. <laughs> so so then we meet a uh, small human expedition of three people, a scientist and two military guys. And can I just say the lead 
uh, military guy. Is that Sanders? Sanders is the old man. Yeah, now. Sanders the old man. He starts like working out while like Todd the scientist, the scientist chick is like talking to him. And like I keep waiting for him to just start like lifting cannonball weights on a unicycle because <laughs> seriously. <laughs> he's so old-timey, it's hilarious. He, yeah, he has a real early 20th century thing going yeah, on. Yeah, he runs like, in place. That's part of his regiment. <laughs> running in place. Which is funny because he has this entire dome in which he can do laps, but uh, he's he's needed in the command center. Yeah. Which is which is interesting. Um, so, so yeah, there's there's these three scientists. There used to be six, but the, the other three have disappeared and never returned because they went out into the jungle. Well, no, there's just uh, the one scientist. The other two guys are just military people. Right, sorry, I mean there's like six expedition people yeah. who were on the planet, but three of them have uh have, have gone away. And I and I love um one of the things I love about the story, like just right off the bat, and I'll just say it, um, so that we don't have to worry about it too much later, but um every line of dialogue, with the exception of two scenes in this story, is phenomenal. It is perfect to the point, crisp, energetic, and it just tells you so much about everything that's going on that it blows my mind every time I start watching. Um, and I don't know if you noticed it, but um, they convey a lot of information in these scenes, an impressive amount. Yeah. Um, uh, so we learn that we learn that Todd is this scientist chick who is, you know, analyzing the planet for colonization, which we learn about later in the episode, uh, and that there's Hindle, who's the security chief who is constantly paranoid that something is going to something is going to happen um and they're on this planet that's filled with these pe- indigenous people called the kinda uh which is like kinda but after watching the story it's kinda um <laughs> but before before watching the story or knowing anyone who has you will call it kinda you will because you, you will. don't know the difference yeah but there is a difference um <laughs> because the kinda are kind of awesome um so I know, lame joke. Um, so the Doctor Adric oh, and Tegan. Oh, I see what you did there. Very good. Ah, <laughs> um, I'm a little slow so, on the uptake, but good job. Yeah, good work. You didn't have to. You didn't have. You didn't have to out yourself, sir. Um, <laughs> so, so the Doctor uh, Tegan and Adric go exploring, um, and they come across these wind chimes, which are you know random and there. Uh, Which I love but, that they go exploring because they basically just go exploring because they're like, well, we're here and she's sleeping, so I guess <laughs> let's go walk. Yeah. <laughs> it's like it's like they can't take the TARDIS because it's loud. And you know, it's like sleeping on a plane. Like, you can do it, but it's also fairly loud on planes. Sure. So... You know, I mean, I think that's the rationalization. It'd be much easier doctor- to sleep on a plane if it was grounded. Exactly. Right. Exactly. You know, much simpler, much simpler. So <laughs> the doctor is uh, watching. He's, he's looking at these chimes. He's very interested. And Adric, who could not care less about music because he's pro-science, um, walks away. And the doctor kind of follows him. But um, they don't realize that Tegan sort of falls asleep under these chimes and just passes out, and these the kinda sort of show up, and they place fruit and necklaces on her because they do, 
Um, and so Tegan passes out. Um, and then she goes to the land of the bleeding gums. <laughs> the land of the bleeding gums. Yeah, that's that's an accurate portrayal. Where everyone um, has bleeding gums. I also like to call it Art School Dreamscape. Um, Art School Dreamscape Land of the Bleeding Gums. <laughs> uh, something like that. Something like that. Every, um, everyone has everyone has dental problems. Yeah. Well, it's England. Um, <laughs> so, so while she's sleeping, um, the doctor and Adric find a survival suit, which is this big, clunky robot thing. Um, kind of like the robots in... Um, uh, Avatar, but on a Doctor Who budget. Um, <laughs> so, <laughs> so about a, about a tenth of the size, and and not nearly as functional. No. Um, <laughs> it doesn't have so, arms. No, it does not. It. I mean, I, we find out later that the arms are literally your arms when you're in the suit that just open and take things. Um, so the Doctor and Adric antagonize this. Um, this suit thing and the suit thing brings them back to the dome which is this you know the the scientist enclave and uh the doctor and adric are like they show up hindle and sanders are like what are you doing here this is ridiculous how did you get in and they're just like we just wandered in and they're like where are our men and they're just like what other men um and uh, they're just like, well, you know, we've lost some men, but that's okay. We took some of the kinda as well. So they have two kinda hostages, and the doctor's like, "WTF? This is this is not cool." Um, so he he goes in to see the to see the hostages, and he meets Todd, who I love. I love Todd. She is she is easily the best Davison companion I think I've ever seen. Yep. Um. <laughs> Oh, sorry. Uh, the uh, fact that he doesn't even invite her along bugs me because, yeah, honestly, you could have totally had like a family paradigm at the end of the story yeah. going forward because you could have had mom and dad and the three kids would have been awesome. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would have, I would have loved that, but I guess Bailey just knew better than to you know stick her into an already overcrowded TARDIS. I mean, it's it's the most distressing thing about it is like Todd is so much better a companion than Tegan or Adric. I mean, I think she's about on the level of Nyssa, honestly. Um, although Nyssa, they just don't know how to write her because she's too smart for them. Um, so, I mean, they don't bring in Todd, but it is it is a crime because she is so good in this. Um, so, he meets Todd. He starts asking about the kinda and the jungle, and they, um, and, and she says, well, there's fruit. I eat the fruit. She He hands... She hands him an apple, he looks at the apple, and then Hindle walks in, and I'm gonna be honest, this this whole story, I mean, other than Davison, who I think acts his ass off in the story, um, I think, uh, I think his name's Simon Rouse? Simon Rouse as Hindle is pretty incredible. He is. Like, oh my god, he's so good. Like, he does such a good job at being the stuffy, in-charge guy who doesn't want to not be in charge. Um... So he's like, he's like, how dare you have apples? Give me the apples. And the doctor goes, I, I just, I love lines. Um, he goes, uh, an apple a day will keep the, no, never mind. And he just <laughs> kind of leaves, <laughs> which is fantastic. And then we get this super weird scene where, where Hindle 
is angry and starts throwing plants and he's like losing his mind and he picks up a mirror and looks at looks in the mirror and behind and sees behind him because the the scientist lab and the hostage room are apparently the same room because we're on a doctor who budget um and he sees a kinda and all of a sudden we get this silent sequence where he lets the kinda out of their cage the kinda put one of their little symbol things on him like they're they have these necklaces they put the necklace on him and then kneel at his feet and he's like sitting in a desk chair um which I guess is his throne, which means that there's a power shift between Hindle and the Kinda. So, that's weird. And their necklaces um, are double helix. Yeah. Which, which should be important, but apparently isn't. <laughs> no, it's not. I mean, it's only important because it's one of those things where it's like, you imagine... I mean, it's just... It, but what Bailey does here is he does a lot of critiquing. Like, the story is a lot about colonialism among a, a myriad of other things but he's you know the idea is um british people not just british people but like germans and the french at the turn of the 20th century were basically going into africa and all over the place and they were just dividing up land and colonizing it and saying we are the superior beings like it's the whole rudyard kipling white man's burden thing um, they go in and they assume that they're far superior than all the natives, and then the natives, you know, regardless of whether they are superior of them, you know, are forced to submit to their will. And I think what Bailey is doing here is proving to you, and as he does later, prove that the Kinda are not nearly as primitive as Sanders believes them to be. Same with Hindle. Hindle believes them to be dumb as doornails, but the Kinda clearly aren't. I mean, they're partially psychic as, uh... Todd reveals to the Doctor, even though she can't prove it. Um, and I think that's terribly interesting. Uh, but that's that's one of the things that Bailey does. Like, Bailey introduces a concept, but doesn't necessarily explore it in the most, oh, what does this mean sort of way. He just kind of works his way around it and kind of leads you into thinking these things. Um so the double helix means is kind of a symbol, a signifier that the Kinda are far smarter than um, the the Earth colonists expect them to be, which is at the very least quite interesting. Um, sorry, I might go on those tangents. That's just because this story lends itself to them. Uh, <laughs> but uh, uh, there it is. I hope everyone is still with me on this. Um, so we go back to the art school dreamscape of bleeding gums, um, <laughs> and we come across Tegan, who's walking through this dreamscape. And um, Grim Wade, I mean, honest to God, I don't know, I don't know what you thought about this, but he directs this so well with just like a spotlight and um, inky blackness, and it's mm-hmm. so gorgeous and abstract and weird. Um, yeah, and it just it blows me away in watching it because it's 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 a it's a stark stark lighting and it makes you look pasty and surreal and well and blah, it's blah, blah, it's blah. really bizarre for you know nineteen eighties television. Yeah, yeah. This is not a thing that was happening. <laughs> no, no. It, not it's, at all. it's a really really weird sequence mm-hmm. um it is yeah i i but, just i i'm it kind of i was watching it and i was just like wow this is weird 
<laughs> and ahead of its time. I mean, yeah. I don't know if you noticed. This is the sort of thing that you I didn't really get the first time, but um did you notice that one thing I forgot to mention is at the beginning of the story, the first thing we see in terms of the Doctor and his companions is the Doctor kind of walking through the woods towards the TARDIS. He just went on a quick recon and he came back. And you see uh, Adric and Nyssa playing checkers with each other and the Doctor kind of messes with them. Um, in this, Tegan comes across two weird cre- weird looking people who are playing chess, and they're sitting in exactly the same position as Adric and Nyssa are. Um, They're not played by Matthew Waterhouse and Sarah Sutton, but they're, you know, they seem to be very off-putting and stark and criticizing Tegan at the same time. And we'll learn later on that what is happening to Tegan is essentially a breakdown of her psychology, like they're just trying to make her really scared. But it's interesting because as soon as they disappear a weird-looking Bleeding Gums dude shows up, and he's dressed all in white, and it's very stark and very stunning. Um, and he is nothing but terrifying to her, and he's called the Dukkha, which, if you think about it, is a reference to Buddhism. Uh, it's a spirit of... Um, oh, gosh, I don't remember. Uh, it's one of the spirits of of, um, of Dukkha. Uh, Buddhism. Not, not, not Dukkha, Buddhism. And... If you think about it and take the take the step logically, because Tegan hasn't met anyone on this planet, you could you could assume in the story that that is an allegory for the Doctor. And it and if you look at it from a perversion of Tegan's psyche, you can see it as a form of the Doctor, um, all like in her, like how she sees the Doctor. Because as we know, Tegan hates the Doctor. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> at this point, but it's like it's just it's just something to think about in terms of like this is one of the very few stories that really gets into Tegan and seeing how she sees the world. I mean, you know, there's a metal structure right next to the chess players, and it's you know kind of in the same position that the TARDIS was, and it's a cage, and you could see that that's kind of how Tegan sees. Um, you know, the TARDIS has this weird cage that kind of takes her away from where she wants to be. Um, Dukkha suffering, have, by the way. Right. Dukkha suffering. Suffering. So if if he is Dukkha, which does sound a little bit like doctor, like if you kind of pervert the word doctor a little bit, you can get there very easily. So if Dukkha is suffering, then, you know, Tegan sees the doctor as a spirit and tormentor of her own suffering, which is, you know, fascinating. Um, so... This, uh, the Dukkha torments her and threatens her and basically says, you know, you want to get out of this dreamscape? Okay, try and get out of the dreamscape. And he pulls in another Tegan and says, all right, sit down, you two, and try and figure out who's the real one. And if you figure out who's the real one, I'll let you leave. Um, uh, which is kind of ballsy as a cliffhanger. Um, (laughs) for her. Right. Anyways. Um... And then we come back to the to the dome. Sanders is like, I'm gonna go out for an expedition. I'm gonna be gone for a couple of days. Uh you guys Hindle, you're in charge, hold down the fort, uh, see how it goes. Um Which is and- a bad idea. <laughs> It's a bad idea because Hindle, as it turns out, according and the doctor is really quick to pick up on this. Hindle is literally just like one bad word. Not bad word, but like one you know, one step away from sheer madness, like old school Shakespearean King Lear Macbeth 
Hamlet madness. Yeah. Um, this is it's like instantly a bad idea. Like it is. The door shuts and then he's just like, I'ma kill you guys. <laughs> he like pulls out a gun yeah. right away. Yeah. <laughs> and then Todd's like, Don't be ridiculous. And then the Kinda who he has hostage show up with guns and they're like and they're like uh and Todd's like, This is ridiculous. Come down from there this instant and uh, he's like, no, and she's like, you have no power over us, and she, and we get what is, in my opinion, a phenomenal cliffhanger. Not because I thought it so the first time, but because going back in retrospect and knowing what Hindle is capable of later, um, he says, I have the power of life and death over all of you in an amazing delivery, an amazing sort of last moment, yeah. and just the shot of the doctor at the end going, uh-oh, is... Genius. It's it's um, awesome. The thing that takes mm-hmm. away from it is the repetition of the cliffhanger in part two, and then immediately cutting away to something random that has nothing sure. to do with that. It takes sure. away from the from the cliffhanger. Um, mm-hmm. But on its own, if you were just watching this all in a row without any repetition, somehow, if you had edited it together, it would be awesome. Omnibus it. Yeah, it would be awesome. Mm-hmm. Yep. Um. So, so yeah, we go into part, part two, and the randomness that I was talking about was Sanders in his robot riding around the Kinda village, and yeah. when Piana, a female shaman, sees him, or hears him because she's blind, um, hears him, and he she's just like, "Hey, hey, hey Karuna, what is that?" <laughs> she's like, "There's some dude in a robot. We'll make it stop." <laughs> um, of course, she said it like really like wise and old persony and blind. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. <laughs> but yeah. yeah. So apparently, in Kinda culture, this is when we find out that male Kindas are mute, but females can speak. Mm-hmm. Um, and the males can't speak because speaking is a sign of wisdom, which is an amazing concept. I think like. Just in terms of sheer, oh my god, what is that? Mm-hmm. It's awesome. Because um, that's just clever and deeply philosophical, too. Um, and, you know, partially explains why the kin to follow Hindle, because of all the people who speak, he is clearly the loudest. Right. And cl- clearly the speakiest. Um, right. But yeah. So, so. so then uh, this male kin to Eris shows up, and he's like really upset about something and so panna the bl- the blind kinda tells karuna this this younger kinda chick to read him telepathically and she's like oh he's in great pain and he's angry and it turns out that one of those two kindas that hindle has captured is his brother mm-hmm. um and he's really he's really pissed off about it obviously um so then the doctor, uh, Adric, and, and Todd, the scientist chick, they're locked in a cell, and which then leads to one of my, one of my favorite moments in this, this whole four-part series, which is Adric just, like, doing the simplest ma- – like the, the, like the magic trick that your uncle does and thinks mm-hmm. is so cool. He does that to the doctor, and the doctor is just like – Whoa! What you just pulled pulled that coin out of my ear? Like, 
He's just <laughs> fascinated. And he keeps trying to do it himself, and it's not working out so well. <laughs> Which I just found so awesome and so perfect for, for Davison's doctor. Yeah, it's it's so childlike and, you know, full of the wonder of, how have I not seen that before? <laughs> yeah. Which is amazing. It's so funny. Like, I, I just keep waiting for him to, like, clap happily. Like, oh! <laughs> Where'd it go? I don't understand. Yeah. Um, it's so funny. He had, like, the expression of, like, a little kid when you play peekaboo. Yeah. 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 <laughs> it's just, it was, it was really funny. It was really mm-hmm. good. And that's, that's the thing I love about Bailey. Like, Bailey, more than any other doctor, understands the fifth doctor. And I don't know how he did this, because this was commissioned before Davison had even been cast. Um and that's that's ridiculous. Like Davison, like really just dials into the script, and Bailey kind of dials into to Davison's interpretation, and they just they complement each other so well, and it's amazing. It's 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 amazing. I love it so much. So while that's happening, while my favorite thing in the serial, <laughs> while my favorite thing in the serial is happening, my equally favorite thing is happening in another room, <laughs> which is. Kindle dresses all the Kindle hostages like they're going on safari. <laughs> They've got the little safari hats and they're all in like khaki uniforms. It's amazing. It's amazing. <laughs> it is. And you and like it's so it's so bizarre. Like it also leads to Hindle, who has amazing lines in this story as well. Like he says, Show me your fingernails. We must have clean fingernails because by this point, Hindle. Well, what's amazing is like you can tell that Hindle has descended into madness. But what you don't know is that this is nowhere close to the final level of madness that Hindle's going to descend to. Um, it's awesome. It's so awesome. Uh, and it's like I love. I love that the story builds on old timey uniforms. Like when I look at. Sanders wearing the uniform and the really silly hat, I'm instantly reminded of someone like Rudyard Kipling or, you know, the Jungle Book with those ridiculous outfits because um, <laughs> it's so silly. But it also dates it really well. And I like that sort of aesthetic choice that Grimwood makes with it. I love that. So, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. Yeah. So, so then we get uh, a sequence where... Um, we flash back to uh, Sanders, Panna, and Karuna, and Karuna's like, uh, you can't have this box. And Sanders is like, I really want the box. Give me the box. <laughs> and Panna's like, no, seriously, you don't want the box. And he's like, no, seriously, give me the box. So they're like, all right, here's the box. And then he gets struck by a bunch of psychic force. And it's all colorful <laughs> and messed up. And he gets pretty messed up and turns into a five-year-old, basically. Yes, which we'll be talking about in a little bit. My favorite thing about that, though, is, like, the the doors to the survival suit open up, and it's just, like, you just see his hands kind of walk out. Like, it's, in, it's like some bizarre science experiment, um, which I think is just genius. Uh-huh. That's It's so funny. Um, yeah, yeah. Um, also, Hindle wants to burn the forest. Yeah, he does. Uh, <laughs> Not unlike miles. Avatar. Yeah, 50 miles of this forest. He wants it gone. Um, he really because... he really wants that, uh, 
What was what was that thing they were trying to take from the unobtainium? Unobtainium, because you yes. because it's unobtainable. Right. See right. see how clever James Cameron was. That's, yeah, he was he was he was kind of clever. He was purpose. really great at coming up with really scientific names for fake things. <laughs> well, they can't yeah. obtain it, so it's unobtainable. Liam, perfect. Exactly. That that's the thing. That's the thing. And then someone's like, "Doesn't that sound dumb?" He's right. He's like, "You're right. Unobtainable Liam is stupid. Unobtainium, much better." Yeah, that just rolls off the tongue. Much better. Unobtainium. Um, <laughs> nobody will be able to put two and two together. Uh but <laughs> so yeah, Hindle wants to burn the forest down using a combination of fire and acid, which you know seems pretty devastating. Um, but Hindle wants to do this. Because he thinks the trees are conspiring against him. Because um, he's that, crazy. <laughs> he's nuts! And he, the seeds and the spores are, you know, trying to get in, but he's safe in his dome. So all he has to do is just burn the forest down and then it's going to be okay. <laughs> and then at this point, he explains this plan to the doctor, Adric. And Adric's just like, I'm with this guy. Sounds like a good plan. I'm with you. <laughs> and it was like... Great. Good to be on your side. Adric basically saying, hey, remember that plan that didn't work out so well in the last episode? I'm going to do that again. <laughs> exactly. In an effort Adric. to make it work this time. The only thing, <laughs> the only plan I know is to side with the, with the villains until I can figure out a way to beat them from the inside. That's the only plan I know. <laughs> I just want to sign with the guy who is not my ride. <laughs> yeah. That's what I want to do. <laughs> Which, if you've ever been to a party, is a bad idea. Oh, yeah. I would not recommend that at all. Because wh- how will you get home? That's my question. <laughs> There's um, no math on this planet, Adric. What are you doing? <laughs> <laughs> there's a lot of nature. There's no math in nature. I mean, you can make it. They've got chimes no hanging from trees. This is your nightmare. What are you doing? <laughs> He's like, well, I like this dome. It's a nice dome. It's very spherical. <laughs> and as you know, spheres are geometrically perfect. <laughs> so I'm I'm right at home right now. I'm I'm good. I'm good. So yeah, Adric totally betrays the doctor, seemingly. Um and says, I'm with you because you seem like the smart one on the team, which instantly either colors Adric as a complete stupid head or <laughs> as a genius because the doctor will not side with Hindle no matter what. And then within five minutes, he gets access to the cell key and then tries to sneak it to the doctor. <laughs> not smart, Adric. Like, no. Gain, gain Hindle's trust a little bit longer than five minutes. Right, but there's also the part where he takes the cell key to the doctor and plays the game, which, like, and I don't blame Adric for this, because, you know, Adric's just trying to do what he can, but he plays the, 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 the game, the hand game with the doctor, and the doctor chooses the one with the cell key, Adric drops the cell key into his hand, and the doctor holds the key in by his side, and Hindle is totally big-brothering this whole thing on security cameras, and his face is everywhere. Uh, goes, hey, wait a second. I, uh, I didn't, I, let me see your hands. I want to see your hands. And the doctor's like, what? What's in my hand? He's like, no, the other one. And then 
the doctor's like, oh, that one? And he puts it behind his back for Todd to take, and Todd does not get it at all. She she just like, well, I don't know what you want me to do with this. And the doctor's like, ugh. So that escaped. <laughs> escape plan is completely ruined. Like, I just love it. Like, the way he just like, take it, take it. She's like, what? What? What do you want? Take it. Take the key. What? What is why why are you waving that key at me? What do you want? <laughs> Speak. <laughs> and then and then and then the kinda shows up at the side and he's just like, Well, I can't do anything now. She's like, Why couldn't you just say it? I don't <laughs> We're watched on camera. We've been watched on camera. <laughs> oh my gosh. I am not I mean, a I love psychic Todd. I am not I am not a telepathic male kinda. I don't know what you're feeling. <laughs> Oh God, I love Todd, but that is easily her weakest moment. In the whole story. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but uh, meanwhile, we go back to Tegan um, in the in in the void of of art school and bleeding gums, and uh, yeah. So the the Duca shows up, and he's just like he's just like, haha, you're stupid, and you're arguing with yourself. And then she makes twelve of her. And then turns back into one of her, and then Duke is just like, hey, I want you. She's like, uh, no. He's like, no, no, you don't understand. If I don't get you, you're not leaving here. And she's like, all right then, deal. So they shake on it, and the snake (laughs) crawls across their arms, like the snake tattoo crawls across their arms onto Tegan, and she wakes up, and she is no longer – when she wakes up, there is no Tegan, only Zool. Yes. And <laughs> that goes on for a while. Yeah. Um, which leads to my favorite shot of the thing, but we'll get to that in a second. Mm-hmm. Sure. Um, um, I, I love I'm, – I'm actually – I'm going to do something you're very rarely going to hear on this podcast. But i got to say I really love Janet Fielding in this. Yes. Um, this is probably my favorite Tegan story. I mean I have three. Which is, which is this... ironic because she hates it. Yeah, yeah. And it's Which just like, unfortunate. listening to her on the behind-the-scenes thing, and she's just like, you can just see me acting. I'm like, yeah, and you don't ever act, usually. You're just annoying. <laughs> so shut up and like the only story you're good in. Yeah. Well, she's good in this. She's good in Snake Dance, which is the quote-unquote sequel to this story, and she's good in Enlightenment. But I love, like... When she is possessed, because, spoilers, she is possessed by a spirit called the Mara. When she's possessed by the Mara, the second she wakes up, besides the fact that she gets fruit punch mouth, um, you can instantly bleeding tell gums. that some... Are bleeding gums. You can instantly tell that something's wrong. And well, she's Brit- she, she's British, for one. <laughs> that's your That's your first sign. She's no longer wanting to, to wrestle crocodiles. She's British. And a really good British accent, I must say. Yeah. It was very convincing. Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Um She's really good. Um but yeah, she is. there there is no Tegan, only Zool. Um <laughs> uh, but meanwhile, so she wakes up and she's being all like overly sexified stretchingness mm-hmm. and stuff. Yeah. And then she we yeah. we cut back to uh, Hindle planning to punish Adric's treason. Um, but then Sanders returns and he's like a kid on Christmas. 
Oh, God. I love when Sanders is returning and Hindle literally just degenerates because he can tell that his quote-unquote father is coming home. Yeah. And he just starts screaming, don't make, don't let him come by, mommy, mommy, I need you. It's, oh, it's so, oh, God. It makes me, it just reminds me that I just love a good portrayal of madness and I don't get enough of them. Yeah. Uh, so and, good. He blew me away yeah. in this. Absolutely. He did. And and it's and it's telling because like everyone in this story is on the ball except for Adric. Um, yeah, and well, Adric is rarely yeah. on the ball. Sure, but like the problem is like I think Adric would have been normal Adric, but like everyone is acting their ass off in this, and I mean it's telling that Hindle Simon Rouse is you know a a king among giants in this. Yeah, like it's 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 amazing, and like I they say it on the behind the scenes like. You have to give him props because he just went for it. Like yeah, he did. it's it's way over the top, but he just went for it, yep. and oh god, it it pays off so good. Yep, um, absolutely. So so oh. so then uh, Sanders gives that box thing to Hindle, and Hindle's like, I don't want that thing. He's just terrified <laughs> and it, by it, um, and Sanders wants him to open it, right? Open and he's just like, No, no, I'm not doing that. Uh, so then we cut back to. Uh, Eris walking around in the jungle. We get my fam- my my favorite shot of the whole episode. So good, so creepy. Zero payoff, but that's okay. It was still an awesome shot, and it kind of blew me away. Uh, when Eris is just walking through the jungle, and then he goes to go sit down, and just randomly in the shot, you see dangling legs. Yeah, so creepy. Yeah. So, because you're just like, oh my god, what is he gonna do? <laughs> Answer, yeah, nothing. It's not gonna do anything. <laughs> it just throws some fruit at him, and then hops down, and is like, hey, want to trade snakes? <laughs> it's Tegan as the Mara. Yeah, it's Tegan as the Mara. It's 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 an amazing sequence, and it, you know, good sense of vertical space, and it's you know also. You know, she's dropping apples on his head and is, you know, I mean, Devil Loka, the planet that they're on is fairly Edenic. And I love that uh, Tegan basically becomes just a demonic version of Eve. Mm-hmm. As, you know, she's literally a snake in a tree throwing apples at a male. Yes. And I mean, it sounds hokey, like just saying it, it sounds really hokey. But the thing is that. All of the things that Bailey does with this script are so subtle, but completely laced with meaning. Like, you could just write papers on this story, and you can't do that with other Doctor Who stories. And it it really raises the dialogue in ways that stories don't, and that's unfortunate. Mm -hmm. But, God, it's so good. It's so good that he does that. It blows me away. Mm -hmm. Um, So... so so yeah, so he uh, he she's like, you know, let's let's trade let's let's trade snakes and so then they shake and the snake goes onto his arm and then he becomes the Mara and Tegan's cool. Um and she passes out. Yeah, she passes out and then wakes up later and she's Tegan again. Um and uh yeah, so then we go back to to Hindle and he he's you know, he's got the doctor and Todd and Sanders in a cell and Sanders still has the box. And the doctor's like, I really want to know what's in this box. And Todd's like, no, don't open. And he's like, uh, I'm going to open it. I'm the doctor. This is what I do. 
Uh, and so he opens the box and she freaks out. Mm-hmm. And that's the cliffhanger to part three um, where the box amazing. opens. And it's just a jester puppet. It is. Well, it's an amazing cliffhanger. It, it is. is. <laughs> it's such a... It's... Fl- well, I... Amazing cliffhanger is... That's a little bit of an exaggeration. I don't think so. Well, for one thing, the thing that I love about it is it it's compl- it's very rigidly cross-cut between what Tegan's doing with the Mara and Eris and what's going on with the box and watching it like you cuz two really bad things happen. The Mara travel transfers to Eris and the box opens. Grimway does such a good job in my opinion of cross-cutting between Hindle telling them to open the box and, you know, what's in the box. And the Doctor, I mean, the Doctor actually doesn't want to open the box because he's worried about what's inside of it. Because mm-hmm. whatever is inside it... It could be Gwyneth Paltrow's head. I mean, it really... <laughs> <laughs> it could be. The Doctor's like, <laughs> I saw that movie. <laughs> this is not going to end well. <laughs> it does end with someone getting shot. Um... So, but it's like, it's, it, it's, it's a breathtaking, I think it's a breathtaking cliffhanger. Like it, it just, it, it cuts, it's so effectively cut and managed that by the time that the box opens and we cut to Todd's scream, like I normally hate that sort of cliffhanger, but that reaction is so strong that it just bleeds really. I just, I love it. I think it's so strong. Third one, I'll give you. I don't really like the third one so much. Um, but this one uh, blows me away. When I was watching it, I watched it twice because I couldn't handle how awesome it was. Uh, <laughs> That's weird. I actually so. watched it twice, too. But I watched it twice because I thought I missed something. <laughs> and I did not. Uh, no, because all that popped out was a Jester Puppet. You're right. Right. Jester Puppet pops out. The Like, everybody laughs. And then the Doctor's like, oh, the the Kinda have a sense of humor. Uh Hindle's pissed <laughs> off, and then uh, they stare into the box, and they realize um, that, well, like, the do- the Doctor and the Todd, they have, like, this shared psychic experience, um, mm-hmm. and they receive, like, a summons from uh, the blind chick and uh, Karuna, mm-hmm. and so then... <laughs> The, the the dome's, like, power flickers out and the, the s- cell doors open and Todd and the doctor exit and... Uh, run out into the forest. Yeah, they run out into the forest. And Sanders is left in a daze. <laughs> <laughs> because he is a child. He is a child, yes. He's a child. Um, <laughs> so then... Uh, you know, we go back to, to like, like while Hindle is trying to decide, like, what he should, like, how he should um, destroy the dome with explosives. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> That's what I mean about how he gets crazier. Yeah. Because then his rationale is, I, I want to be safe, and the only way for me to be safe for sure is if I'm dead. Because if you're dead, you're completely safe. Yeah. Nothing can harm you. And while he's not wrong, holy crap, he's still crazy. Uh, <laughs> so he wants to blow up the dome. That's his new goal. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, so. I love this story so much. Yeah. 
So uh, the Doctor and Todd are led into t- into the Kinda Town by a jester, um, this jester guy that's doing backflips and stuff, and mm-hmm. uh, and uh, yeah. So they they like the Doctor like <laughs> shows the jester like the the sleight of hand trick because um, he's gotten a hang- gotten the hang of it in the cell. Apparently, he's been practicing. Mm-hmm. Um, and then uh, Aerie shows up, who is the Mara at this point, and starts, like, yelling stuff. And everybody's like, whoa, you're a dude. You're not supposed to be talking. <laughs> and, uh, yeah. So, he like, Eris, he invokes a kinder prophecy um, that when his tribe is confronted with outsiders – a male with a voice would become the tribe's leader, uh, no one knowing that he has the snake on his arm and that he's actually the Mara, um, mm-hmm. and therefore the prophecy isn't a real thing. Uh, but by doing this, um, uh, Karuna, like, by, while that's happening, Karuna, like, leads the Doctor and Todd away from everybody. Um, mm-hmm. but they're all like freaked out. All the other kinder like, Oh my God, it's the prophecy. You're our new leader mm-hmm. and yada, yada, because you know, they're not that smart. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, I mean, it's, it's easily, I mean, it's easy cause they are, a, they are a primitive species, but they're not right. And it's, they're easily taken advantage of because you know, the Mara does pretend to be, uh, their prophet and does a convincing job of it. I mean, it's just, he does. Wraps a bush around its his arm, but other than that, I mean, it's pretty, you know, right there. Yeah. So, uh, meanwhile, Hindle has rigged the dome to blow, <laughs> ensuring ensuring their perpetual safety through death. Uh, and Adric is attempting to play along, while Sanders and Hindle are constructing an elaborate city model out of cardboard boxes. <laughs> this story is awesome. Yeah. Um, no, basically, yeah, this is a good one. Really. <laughs> it's a good one. Um, so the doctor, meanwhile, notices the, the snake thing on, on Eris's arm. And uh, Panna is also aware of it. Like despite being blind, because you know she's psychic or whatever, and uh, could just sense these sorts of things, and so so together they have like this shared psychic vision uh, of the kinda in a circle, um, and all this weird stuff is happening, and the jester is dancing, and it's crazy colors and whatever, and there's clocks randomly, and. Uh, it's the weirdest part of this story. Yeah. Like, hands down, the weirdest part. Like, when I was blogging it, I was like, oh, I do not have any answers for this part. Yeah, there's clocks, and there's dancing, and there's people in a circle, and then there's clocks again, and the clock is changing from a 12-hour schedule to a 24-hour <laughs> schedule <laughs> randomly. <laughs> um, and then uh, the doctor and... and, and, and uh, the doctor and... Uh, what, what's her name? Todd. Todd, thank you. The doctor and Todd snap out of it, and they go to a cave, and they're just like, "Oh no, Panna's dead." 
her eyes are open and she's sitting upright. Yeah, just she's like, you know, it's like a really crazy death by astral projection or something. Yeah. It's weird. I don't know. But anyway, that's the end of part three. Uh, part four, the doctor is just like, she's like, like, oh no, Pana might be dead. Only it's more like she's in a trance, but it's unlike any trance I've ever seen. It's more like the Todd's like, she's dead. Yeah, she's dead. (laughs) (laughs) They almost talked themselves out of it. And then they're just like, no, no, basically she's dead. She's not helping us. She would help us, but she's she's I'm like, wow, down. that was that was a waste of five lines of dialogue <laughs> to accomplish the thing that the cliffhanger already accomplished. Um <laughs> so uh so anyway, uh Karuna uh comes back to the cave and takes Panna's staff and um when they real they they realize that like the mayor has taken over Eris and that uh, Tegan's mind was in the dark places of the inside, uh, and it's the end of all. Things. And it's the end of all things. Yeah, um, yeah. Mm-hmm. Which is which is a thing that was the thing where they they saw all the clocks and stuff. And they're like, was that the beginning of everything or the end? And the doctor was like, both. And it was really dramatic <laughs> and weird. Um, so. Uh, we go back to the dome and Adric is uh, trying to find, it's like trying to hide from Sanders and Hindle um, in the, in the robot thing, but it activates and he can't control it. <clears throat> and it, then um, Eris and the Kinda launch like an attack on the dome that doesn't go so well. Uh, and, uh, the survival suit comes out and they start attacking it with sticks and stones and they have they build Eris's own version of a survival suit which is just a survival suit made out of wood like just sticks and branches it's awesome <laughs> it is and then it fails because the 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 bot goes crazy cuz Adric doesn't know how to control it and he's kind of getting scared and <laughs> It just like fries Eris's Eris's creation, and then the doctor shows up, and just like lets Adric out of the thing, and Adric's like, "I was handling it," and and the doctor's like, "No, no, you weren't, uh, <laughs> you stupid little kid. God, you're such an idiot. You're so annoying. You dumb Alizarian. Go go um, stand somewhere else, and let me talk to Tegan. That's what I do anyway." <laughs> That was I loved that where he was just like Adric or like when they found the chimes, Adric was started walking off, and the, the doctor's just like, "Hey, hey, don't go running off, okay? <laughs> There's lots of interesting things here. I'm not interested in music. I don't care. I don't care. All right. So anyway, Tegan, what I was saying about the thing was <laughs> he's like he's like my dad. Whenever we go to a museum, yeah." <laughs> oh my god. Appreciate this. Yeah. So funny. So funny. <laughs> uh. Uh. But um the Doctor and Todd and Adric and Tegan, who is awake, Tegan's rejoined the Doctor and Todd, um, and explained what happened, and the Doctor surmised that the Mara jumped into her and that the Mara is a force of evil and temptation <clears throat> and that, <clears throat> you know, it is now an heiress and they have to stop Eris, but first they have to stop Todd from blowing up the dome and fifty other square miles of this forest, thereby eradicating the Kinda. 
So the doctor goes into the to the main area and finds that Hindle and Sanders have built an entire functioning city out of cardboard boxes. <laughs> and Sanders is like still pretty messed up and he just goes he just goes where's 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 Hindle and the doctor goes where's Hindle and Sanders is like I don't know and he points at a box and the doctor and Totter standing right behind the box and then <laughs> Hindle just goes surprise and pops out of the box <laughs> <laughs> and he wanted to surprise them but it didn't work so never mind I guess so the doctor then, restrains him and in the struggle uh, this mirror is shattered and, uh, Todd is just like, like, look, open the box. Seriously, just open it. Open the box. And so Hindle does and he's not crazy anymore. Yeah, basically. Yeah. But it, it knocks him out. I love that too. Cause it's like, cause, cause Hindle wants to blow up the dome and he's like, you guys ruined everything. So he tries to blow up the dome that there's a struggle. They destroy the city. And then... <laughs> Hindle gets his hands on the detonator, and Todd uses the box to be like, I have a toy, you want this toy? You can't have this toy, but I'll trade you for the detonator. And by doing it, tricks Hindle into doing that. And so continues Todd being awesome as a companion, because she is smart and can think for herself. Yep. Uh, True story. So True story. So the day is saved. So then the doctor's um, like, hey, I think the Mara can be repelled by its own reflection. So if we trap Eris in a circle of mirrors, it'll he'll freak the crap out and and then turn into a giant snake and we'll be able to beat it, I guess. Um, Mm -hmm. Even though the snake is larger than the mirrors that we're holding up. (laughs) So therefore, the snake can't actually see its reflection. It just sees the force surrounding its reflection. But, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever. Um, So anyway, so they get these solar like reflective panels and they surround Eris in it and then it, he turns into he like he the the Mara separates itself from Eris and they drag Eris out and then it like it starts as a little snake and then grows into a giant snake and there's two versions of this one is with the original snake which is just this Paper mache monstrosity, <laughs> which is so funny, and oh my god, it's so hysterical. Um, mm-hmm. It's I mean, but still badass, but still badass. Yeah, in a way, but hilarious. Um, <laughs> and then there's the new, like redone version with a CGI snake, which is amazing. Yeah, yeah, amazing CGI snake. Yeah, I didn't know it's, how a CGI anything would look in these classic episodes, but my god, it looks perfect. It's like, it's like classic Trek. Like Ugh. it just, I don't. And that's the thing. Like if you look at it, it's seamless because they. It's not like they reshot the footage. They just basically digitally removed the original floppy snake, which wasn't you know anything real or mechanical, um, and just completely redid it with this snake. And it's, it is. It's such. It's ridiculous. It's it's ridiculously amazing. Yeah. as an effect. Oh, I, it's crazy good. Crazy good. Mm-hmm. So uh, so yeah, it it's all it like freaks out in the mirrors and and you know goes back to where it came from because it's scared, right? And, and and so you know 
the day is the saved. day is saved and Hindle and Sanders share a moment where they're going to pretend none of that crap happened um, <laughs> which is probably for the best probably yeah um, more than probably definitely for the best uh, mm-hmm. they did make little construction paper people um, that was a thing and that was oh, I love oh. when Hindle compliments that's really good and it's just <laughs> like it's just like the worst construction paper like person you could possibly like it's awful like it is the worst yeah. thing and Hindle is being so supportive of Hander's artistic abilities um, I mean really <laughs> wow yeah Wow. Yeah. But uh, anyway, <laughs> anyway, so, so, uh, so yeah, they're gonna, they're, 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 uh, the day is saved, and Adric Tegan and the Doctor return to the TARDIS, and Nissa's like, yeah, that was a good rest, and they're like, ha, screw you, Nissa, and they all leave. <laughs> <laughs> and the day is over. Yeah, the day is saved. Um, holy crap! I want to watch the story again. Uh, it's so right good. It really is. And it only gets better. Like, that's the crazy thing. Like, every time I watch it, I pick up something new. And it's amazing. Yeah. It's so amazing. I, I really loved this. Good. This, I'm so glad. This is great. Mm-hmm. Absolutely great. Um, So, uh, before we move on, I want to remind everybody that we're also sponsored by DCBService.com. Uh, where you can order all your monthly comic book statues, action figures, T-shirts, anything you can get from a local comic book shop. You can get from DCBService.com. Three months in advance is when you place your orders. And when you do that, um, and you don't have to order three months in advance. That's just how you get the biggest discount. Uh, but you can have – there's monthly discount <coughs> specials of 75% off certain titles. And then also regular discounts of around 40% off. And uh, you can ship as often as you like within the month. So you can ship weekly, bi-weekly, every three weeks, monthly, whatever you want. And you only pay six twenty-five in flat rate shipping no matter how large or small your order is. So thanks to DCBService.com. If you don't have can a I local comic book shop, go there. <laughs> that's, that's just if you're, if you're interested in books. And there's a lot of good comics right now. Really, guys? Yeah. Really is. Go to DCBService.com and order them. Woo. All right. So next week, what do we what do we got next week? Time Warrior. Next, the Time Warrior, which is a Robert Holmes story. Robert Holmes story. Robert Holmes. It's it, it's a it's a number of firsts and lasts. Um, it's the last first episode for John Pertwee. It's the season opener for his last season. Uh, it's a Robert Holmes story. It's the first Centauran story. It's the first Sarah Jane story. I'm so excited. Um, it's, it's a damn good time. It's, it's so much fun. I am and I've, so excited. I'm also really excited for a four part Pertwee. Not going to lie. Yeah. Oh, those are fun. There's not enough of those. No, Although, there's not. Well, I did, I did last night watch, uh, the demons for the first time, which is five parts. That was so much fun. I might have gotten in trouble, though, because I tweeted that uh, Yates, Benton, and the Brigadier had some gay outfits, but uh, they were a little gay. A little gay. <laughs> festive. Um, it was it was pretty amazing, though. Uh, but you're right. Not enough four-part four poetry stories, but if you think... I I don't know what you think it is, but it is not what you think it is. Iron Gron 
If you've seen it, you know what I'm talking about. But uh, what I am so awesome. excited. <laughs> For a Centauran story, no less. Yeah, and I hate the Centaurans. But I'm no really interested to see where they came from. And it's Robert Holmes, so I have no doubt that I'll love it. Oh, and it's the first mention of Gallifrey. I forgot about that. Oh, man, that's awesome. <laughs> yeah, I, I don't remember when he mentions it, but like randomly the doctor says Gallifrey. And it was something that Robert Holmes just threw in. They're like, eh, I guess that's the thing. Which <laughs> continues the line of things that Robert Holmes established in terms of Doctor Who lore. Good which God. is just ridiculous. Yeah. yeah. I like that guy. It's He's really good. <laughs> um, so that's next week. Uh, also, uh, Movie Night at Geek Show. We're in our last month. This is our, our swan song of episodes. Um our swan song month, if you will. Uh, last week we talked about Hot Fuzz, which is an Edgar Wright film. My favorite director, my favorite film by my favorite director, Hot Fuzz. Uh, so go check out that episode, Movie Night at Geek Show. It's on the website. It's on iTunes. Go check it out and listen to it. It's me and Matt and uh, our co-host John, and uh, we talk about Hot Fuzz. This week we're talking about Road Racers, which is not a movie I was looking forward to watching, and now I'm kind of glad that I did. So there's that. Um, Ooh, that's a, that's a yeah. It's a, it's Robert Rodriguez's second film ever. It's on Netflix Instant. If you if you're if you like Robert Rodriguez, I would highly recommend watching it. If you don't like Robert Rodriguez, I highly recommend watching it. Um, <laughs> so there's that. Uh, also something I wanted to point out is that we've only done two Robert Rodriguez films. Both of them have to do with Invasion of the Body Snatchers. <laughs> weird. Weird indeed. That's weird. Now I'm, uh, I'm kind of looking forward to it. I've been a little reticent, but we'll see how it yeah, goes, I suppose. Yeah, no, it's, it's, um, John did good, honestly. Like, oh, good. it's not, it's not a great movie, but... It is – it's not. It's not. But it is very – it is visually uh, engaging, very visually engaging. Like from sure. a te- technical standpoint, there is not a prettier Robert Rodriguez film. That's cool. Yeah. So anyway, so there's that. Um, and then next week we're doing uh, The Godfather, which is Matt's pick. And then we're closing out the month with The Breakfast Club, which will be our final episode of Movie Night Geek Show ever. So that's exciting. There's that. Also this month on the website, we're catching up on all of our Book of the Months. This past week, we did the, uh, the, our review of um, Stumptown, which is a comic book written by Greg Rucka and drawn by Matthew Southworth. Um, so check that out. If you like Greg Rucka or are interested in good comics, you should listen to that. If you like Veronica Mars, you would love that comic book. Um, this week we're doing American Vampire, which is a is a comic written by um, – half written by Scott Snyder and half written by uh, Stephen King. You know, that guy, the author. <laughs> I might have heard of him. Yeah, Maybe. Some people might have heard of him. Anyway, it's the first time he ever wrote a comic book. And I say half written by and not co-written by because they're both writing two different stories um, about the same thing, sort of. (laughs) Different time periods of the same story. Um, 
and it works really well. One one half is a vampire story set in the Old West. Another half is a vampire story set in old-timey Hollywood, like 1920s Hollywood. Um, mm-hmm. Very cool, awesome, <clears throat> awesome stuff, and uh, the artwork is gorgeous. Uh, so check that out. And then the week after next, we'll be talking about Fell, which is Warren Ellis and uh, – Ben Temple. Ben Templesmith. Thank you very much. Um, sure. Which I haven't started reading yet, but I'm going to very soon, and I'm excited uh, to Ooh. hopefully like a Warren Ellis story, and if not, you know, more Ben Templesmith artwork. That's never a bad oh, yeah. thing. Um, so yeah, so that's the stuff that you've got to look forward to on the website. On another website, though, you're going to have a new podcast from Matt and I. To look forward to another website. Yeah, there's another website. Huh. It's what? called MindRobber.net, um, which is not named after the Doctor Who story. That's amazing. Yes, it is. <laughs> no, it is. No, it's totally named after that. Um, <laughs> but anyway, uh, Matt and I have started a something. I would, I would, I'm, I'm, I'm hesitant to call a production company because we haven't produced anything yet. But it will be a production company very soon um, because of a project that we aren't going to be talking about yet. Um, But we will eventually, and it's going to be awesome, and you are all going to love it. Uh, But yeah, that's that's, it's mindrobber.net, and we're going to have a new podcast called The Mind Robbers, and it is going to be a podcast that will be Matt and I talking about whatever the hell we want to talk about every week. Yeah. There Very is no topic. Form. We're just going to talk about yeah. entertainment things, things we like, things we've been watching, things we've been doing, yada, yada. Every week, The Mind Robbers. And that starts in mm-hmm. January. And uh, that will start – our first episode will be a look back at 2011 and our top 10 movies. Our second episode will be our top 10 TV shows. Uh, and then episode three will probably begin just regular stuff. Yeah. So – going to be fun totally yeah. like this but no <clears throat> doctor who more than anything it's not going to be very much doctor who right when we're, we're probably so. very rare ironically because it's named after a doctor who episode <laughs> we will very rarely be talking about doctor who if ever because we have a doctor who podcast this one the one you're mm-hmm. listening to right now um so you know that's i mean i think that's understandable and the website, I mean, Scott and I did a lot of talking before we went out and did it, but it's just, if you go there expecting a fully functional website on, you know, tons of stuff, it's 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 not going to be that. We don't have the time to maintain a website. Mm-hmm. We're not interested in website-ness. So it's really just going to be a very glorified blog for you to comment on and discuss things that we're talking about and just a place to host our podcast. Like that's really all it is. Um, There will be there because eventually there will be more stuff, but right now, since it's just the (laughs) podcast, there'll be like maybe a random article every once in a while, but that's about it. Sure. It's just, it's just an outlet for us to be on the web and a place for us to house house and host things. And as you'll see in a, a while, a place for us to house some cool content. So, I mean, you know, join the community, I guess it's a community. Um, it's not yet. It's, it's cool. Be... You don't have to it's... go there yet. We'll tell you when you should go there. Yeah. Yeah. And First week of January, you're... like we said. Yeah. You're going to want to hear our top 10 movies because uh spoiler, spoiler, that is going to be a hell of an interesting show. Yeah, it is. Um... <laughs> oh my God. 
Oh my god. Yeah. Um. But yeah. So th- that's our thing. Very exciting. Uh, we m- might move the Doctor's Companion over if someone knows how to do that. We would enjoy that, and we would let you do that. Mm-hmm. But um. Uh, but yeah, we for now it's- we're we're all we're almost all leaving Geek Show, except for this show, unless somebody can tell us how to do to move that to the new site, and in which case we'll be leaving totally. Yeah. I'm not a – I'm going to be honest. I am not very tech savvy. So – Neither am I. That. <laughs> I don't know this stuff. <laughs> Computers. Things. <laughs> uh, Matt, where can people find you on the internet? Uh, you can find me on Twitter, twitter.com slash Gungadin, where I tweet things. You can also find me at twitter.com slash gdcommentary, where I tweet about the same amount, but only in short bursts. Um – uh, this past we every join us every week on Sundays where we talk about classic uh, Star Trek, which is just basically this show but in live tweet form. So you watch along and we just live tweet the hell out of it, and it's always a pretty good time. This week we did a double shot, which uh, we'll probably do again, but not with stories, not with not if one story is as middling as this week had which was not intentional um so check that out also check out the blog my blog classicalgallifrey.blogspot.com or at blog classic who uh this past week oh gosh we reviewed i think it was the myth makers and this week we're talking about survival which is the very last mccoy story and the very last classic who story and not very good um so check that out um also if you're interested in my thoughts on kinda because I'm going to be honest, this this episode just scratched the surface. That'll be up in a couple weeks, but I'll tell you about that when it's up. Uh, Scott. Yeah, uh, twitter.com slash Scott Corelli for me, twitter.com slash Scott Commentary for the live Trekness and whatnot. Um, <laughs> and then uh, Movie Night at Geek Show and the audio blogs for the uh, comics on geekshowentertainment.com. My, our last month at Geek Show. Yeah. So there you go. That's happening. All right, guys. <laughs> <laughs> God, it's, it happened so quickly. Oh. Did it? Did it? I don't know. Did it? All right, guys. We'll <laughs> talk to you next week with the Time Warrior. Bye, Bye. guys. <laughs>